seventh episode of the Desert Shift, or yeah, seventh episode of the Desert Shift. My name is Chase Beardsley. I'm here with Tyler Cass. Tyler, this is our third time recording this. Please, let's hope this this stupid uh, phone uh, Zoom recording doesn't crash. But how are you doing besides that, Tyler? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, big win today for Team USA, which we just got back from, and a, a really nice day here in Phoenix. Okay, see, there you go. As you mentioned, we just came back from uh, watching U.S. Whip Canada uh, in the World Baseball Classic. It was very patriotic, I guess. Uh, shows that that uh, Canada needs to get some more baseball process, prospects up there. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we're back on Zoom because we are all busy. Obviously, um, Spring break uh, last week, this week, everything's just crammed. I'm obviously going to Boston tomorrow for the uh, W or ACHA Women's D1 National Tournament. So recording this on the fly, basically. Um, so it will be a couple more weeks until you, you, you hear from us in person. But I mean, here we are. Um, Tyler, we don't have a lot to talk about because... All the trades are finally done. We don't have to discuss another trade for who knows how long. But we're going to go on to the, that topic, though. Who are you most impressed with uh, with their new team? We're going to do three players each. And then we're going to do uh, who you're, least, who you're uh, most disappointed with. So I'll go first. Or you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay, so I'll I'll say one. You'll see the next one. I'll say, and we'll go on three of the more impressive ones, and then one disappointing one. I will go first, as you mentioned. My first one is Evgeny Dadnov, acquired from Montreal, went to Dallas, six points in seven games, two goals, four assists. I mean, he's blossomed into the player that we saw uh, explode in Vegas when he was almost traded to the Ducks, but not traded to the Ducks because the trade was declined. Weirdest thing ever, but he's just been flago uh, with D- Dallas. It's turned out to be one of the most underrated trades of the trade deadline, and he fits in so well in that top six. He's going to be great in the playoffs. I mean, he's already looking like a steal. He's a plus six. Uh, Tyler, do you want to go with your first choice? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Dimitri Orlov with the, the Bruins. Um, he's already has 10 points in his first eight games with Boston. Three of them are goals, and he only had three goals total this season in 43 games with the Capitals. He just looks like he's been there all along. He fits in like right away. He's just been so good there for the Bruins. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, my second player is going to be Jacob Chicker and uh, four points in six games with Ottawa. Look, we all know that Chickering was going to be great um, wherever he went. He obviously had 28 points on 36 games with Arizona before he got dealt on a crappy Arizona team. He was a plus eight, too, um, which, again, on an Arizona team, that's pretty good. Uh, he's been pretty well with Ottawa, and he's been a good offensive touch to the defense that they have, which is mainly – defensive defenseman but i mean yeah it's worked out in spades for him he loves ottawa 
Ottawa loves him, and he's played really well as a defenseman thus far. Uh, but your thought, your second player. Uh, yeah, um, it, this happened a while ago, and uh, maybe we get a little bit of the bias, but I'm going to go with Bo Horvat just because he, he's been so important with Barzal going down. He's really stepped up, especially as a leader. Uh, his production has dropped off a little bit, but that's because he's taken a, a lot more responsibility playing a two-way game. He's been so good defensively, so good on the penalty kill. And uh, he, he's just really stepped up without, especially missing two of their best centers in Peugeot and Barzell. Uh, he's been a big reason for the Islanders, big playoff push here, and a reason that they're, they're looking, trending towards actually making the playoffs again. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, my third player is going to be Rasmus Sandin. Dealt from uh, Toronto to Washington. In his four games played, a goal and seven assists for eight points. He's a plus six. Uh, I don't think anyone really expected Sandin to turn out this way, but he has. And he's been great for Washington. Um, I mean, when you deal away Eric Gustafson in a first, you, I mean, that's what you want. And he looks like a key part of that Washington team now. And uh, it looks like someone that maybe Toronto uh, could regret giving away, even though they have defensemen plenty now. But you're the last player that impressed you. Um, I was originally going to go with uh, Brett Ritchie, which uh, two goals, four points in his first uh, three games with the Coyotes. But uh, since you didn't mention him, I'm going to have to go with Nino Niederreiter. Uh, three goals, six points in his first seven games with the Jets. Only gave up a, a second to, to get him, and he's just – he's been really good there. Uh, I really like this pickup for Winnipeg. When it happened, I thought it was a great trade, and I just I just think that he's he's been really great for them. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, for my most disappointing player, I'm going to go with Tanner Janot. Uh, acquired from Nashville to Tampa. Uh Three points in eight games played, and look, I know he wasn't meant to do much. Obviously, Tampa, we all knew Tampa overpaid for him, but when you pay for a first, second, third, and fourth, and a fifth-round pick just to get this player, you want at least one goal by now, and Genoa's a minus two. Kind of has struggled there. Uh, I don't know, man. That, that trade is not looking the best so far. He does have 14 penalty minutes, so if you want to count that as a plus, I mean, there you go. But you're most disappointing player. Yeah, um, I've been debating between two players, and these are actually both the, the big fish of the trade deadline with Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane. Um, well, Meyer hasn't been great. He's coming off an injury, and uh, I still think that he's been solid for the Devils. So I'm going to have to go with Patrick Kane. Not that he's been bad either. I just feel like you're expecting so much more from him, especially coming into to New York. There's so much hype around this reuniting with Panarin, and I just don't really think he's lived up to the hype. Uh, I think it'll happen eventually once he gets more comfortable there. It's hard going from being in Chicago so many years to just a completely new city, new system. But I, I don't think he's been the hype that everyone was expecting. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, I would totally throw up Patrick Kane as the obvious one too again struggled to fit in probably because he's so used to chicago but yeah we'll continue and monitor 
from these players in their new uh, new spots. Um, but yeah, do you want to move on to the next topic? Do you have anything else to add? No, not really. All right. Uh, we touched a little bit about, about this last episode, but we're going to go real in-depth with it this episode. Uh, Atlanta and Houston as potential expansion teams. Tyler, you uh, kind of had the uh, gist on it last episode. You want to fill all the listeners in real quick? Uh, yeah, so there's been a, a lot of rumors. It's cooled down a little bit this week, but especially last week um, about the NHL expanding back into Atlanta and Houston getting a, a team. Um, Kevin Weeks made a tweet hinting at it. Uh, so did John Gross, who works for ESPN. And uh, there's just been a, a ton of just stuff floating around in the air. Who knows when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. But it's looking now that if the NHL is going to expand again, that Atlanta and Houston are going to be the two teams that are the two cities that get a team. Atlanta, this will be the third time for them. Hopefully third time's a charm. It'll work out for them this time. I've seen a lot of things about how Atlanta, the stadium won't be in downtown Atlanta near where like the Hawks play. It'll be more in a suburban area further away. Uh, so hopefully that'll work out better, but uh, we still have to see nothing's official yet. It's all just rumors right now, but um, it'll be interesting to see if the NHL expands and when they do it, because we just had two teams coming recently. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I agree with you. Uh, I don't think we're going to see expansion for a second, simply because, as you mentioned, we've just gotten two new teams. Uh, 32 is a perfect number. No other professional sports league, at least the big four, has expanded past 32. So I think it's a good place to stop for now. But looking ahead in the future, I'm going to start with Houston because we talk a lot about Atlanta. So I want to start with Houston first. They've been rumored for a while to go get an expansion team. I've been to Houston before. I... Don't like the weather in the summer. I'm be completely honest. It's very moist out there. Uh, will hockey work down there? Yes, a hundred percent. Their fans are devoted. I mean, I look at the Astros and how much they sell out. Uh, it will take some getting used to hockey, of course. I mean, happened in Dallas, Nashville. Vegas, I mean, you got to learn the sport, obviously, especially in these non-traditional hockey markets, but you have a good building in the Toyota Center. You have an owner that uh, really wants a hockey team down there. Uh, I believe Jeremy Jacobs of the Bruins, the owner of the Bruins, has mentioned expanding to Houston at least once. When he speaks, a lot of the owners listen, so that could also be a great uh, sign for Houston. Moving on to Atlanta. Atlanta's just been unlucky. They have hockey fans down there, no doubt. We saw the Thrashers. It worked out there. The problem with the Thrashers was that, one, their building was absolutely awful. They needed a new building. Wasn't going to happen. Two, ownership was some of the worst ownership I've ever seen in sports. When you trade Ilya Kovachuk and Marion Hossa and all these big names for bags of peanuts, basically, you draft Patrick Stefan first overall. 
it it doesn't work out, man. And when you're telling your GM to constantly keep shredding cap and you're just ending up, you're going to end up with crappy teams. No one's going to come to your games. Obviously it didn't work out. So with Atlanta, it can work out. We saw it with the Thrashers fans attended when they made the playoffs, that building was electric. So if the NHL chooses to expand that there, I think a downtown arena would be fine. They just need a new arena. They cannot play in Phillips Arena anymore. It got renovated. It's now only suitable for basketball. They also need to make sure it's a good owner this time because, again, last time it was trash. Uh, but that's my thoughts on it. What about you, Tyler? Uh, yeah, just an interesting thing. Uh, I'll point out a tweet from NHL to Houston. Vegas put a bid in for their team in 2015 and was announced a year later and started playing in 2017. Seattle put a bid in in 2017, announced in 2018, and just started in 2021. So these things, they, they come together pretty quickly. I mean, if we see Vegas, I mean, uh, Atlanta and Houston put a, put a bid in for their teams, I, I feel like they could get announced and start playing the league relatively quickly. So um, we'll see when any of this stuff actually happens. But if if these two teams want want a, a spot in the league and the NHL is willing to do it, I think that if they both these teams find ownership and put in a bid, we could see them in, in the league within the next five years. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, some other places I could really see getting an expansion team. I'll just off real quick and then we'll move on to our next topic it was way back in the 70s obviously i think if you expand there again you have an arena now you'll you'll get passionate fans there um quebec i mean obviously the only issue there is the canadian dollar um milwaukee could be an interesting one they have an ahl team right now but they could have passionate fan base um new orleans could be a cool one uh they obviously have the saints and pelicans saints do pretty well for attendance and i mean while we're on canada i mean saskatoon toronto too uh hamilton i mean all of those places could work but i think the smartest answer right now is atlanta because you don't really have anything in that area, uh, NHL related. So why not throw a team there? Uh, might as well. Hartford is another one that would be interesting to go back to. But again, they've already had a team. They're a smaller market. But any final comments on this uh, topic? Uh, yeah, if if it does happen, and Atlanta and Houston do end up getting a team. Um, sometime in the next, I think it'll happen the next five to ten years. I think this is the NHL's last like big extend, expansion for a long time. I don't see them expanding again after this for maybe another 15, 20 years again. I think 34, it, it will be a lot if it happens. Uh, I think that'll be like the number they stick with for a long time. But uh, 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 we'll see exactly when it happens. I don't think it'll be something in the near future but I, I think it's happening sooner than we think. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think it's happening, say, until like 10 years out from now. But yeah, uh, let's move on to our next topic. Chuck Fletcher fired as the Flyers GM. Danny Briere brought in. Uh, before I read off some of these trades that Chuck Fletcher uh, has made with the Flyers, he's been there since 2019. Your thoughts uh, on Chuck Fletcher getting fired, Danny Briere in for the Philadelphia Flyers? Um, well, as a fan of a t- team that does not want the Flyers to be any good, I'm, I'm bad about it because now they're actually going to accept their rebuild and probably be good again in, in the, eventually. But uh, if you're the Flyers, if you're a Flyers fan, you have to be super happy about this, especially because now you finally have a front office that's going to accept what you are. They're going to accept that you're not good enough to compete or Chuck Fletcher did not want to admit that at all. And Briere even said in his press conference, he's not afraid to use the word rebuild. You know, he, he understands that's what they need. So if you're the Flyers, uh, I we'll see how he actually does with the job, but it's a step in the right direction, finally admitting that they need to rebuild. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher needed to go, because let me read some of his highlights of his tenure. Uh, Kevin Hayes being acquired from Winnipeg and inked to a seven-year, $50 million contract. Uh... Let's see. Uh, Nolan Patrick and Philip Myers to the Predators for defenseman Ryan Ellis. Another one was trading Shane Gosper along with a bunch of picks to Arizona for nothing. The Flyers acquiring Rasmus Rist Linen for Robert Hag, a 2021 first-round pick and 2023 second-round pick. And that ended up uh, giving Rasmus first line in a five-year deal. Um, let's see. Yul Farabee getting a six-year, $30 million contract extension. Drew only getting trade for Owen Tippett, 2023 first and a conditional first-round pick. Anthony D'Angelo getting acquired from Carolina last summer on a two-year $10 million contract that uh, he later signed and then having doing nothing at the deadline only a uh, trading Zach McEwen and Patrick Brown what are your first thoughts when you hear those moves um well it's just it's just you know the same thing whereas a guy who didn't want to admit that they were in rebuilding mode who wanted to try and acquire players that that a win now wouldn't be like uh, questionable if it was a win now team, but uh, the Flyers he just wouldn't accept the direction they were going in, and he just made trades that absolutely screwed their future. And guys that aren't even good, you know, not trading first round picks for for guys who aren't going to really move the needle. They're just their death guys, and now you, you're locked stuck with them long term. So I, I think he did a really bad job. But uh, now Breer has to come in and fix everything he did and just, just try and, you know, get him to a point where even within the next two or three years, they could maybe turn this thing around. Uh, before I get into my uh, 
my uh, thoughts. What do you think is the worst deal that he, he made? That was tough. But it's got to be worse to line in. I mean, he traded a, a first and a second for a a guy that's just not good. Like, I'm sorry, but Ristolainen really is not a great player, in my opinion. He can hit people because they're really bad defensemen. And the move just made absolutely no sense to me because I, I get they needed the defensemen, but they, they were in kind of a position where they didn't really know how they were going to be. And it, to me, I just – I don't really get the move. I think it was really bad. Yeah, I- if that uh, if that Ryan Ellis deal had someone better than Nolan Patrick in there, that was uh, that would have been my pick. But since that move hasn't really turned out well for anyone at all, I'm going to go with that Kevin Hayes trade and sign. It's looked awful. Kevin Hayes does not deserve that money. He didn't deserve that money then. Certainly doesn't deserve that money now. I mean, he's been benched by Torts. It's just not been a fun time for him. I mean, he said he wants to be in Philly. He keeps saying that, but does he actually, though, like, especially with this going on now? I don't know, man. But you you said it. Like, he's made a lot of confusing, head-scratching moves, like acquiring players like Kevin Hayes, Rasmus were still lining um, trading away Drew for basically nothing, and same with Shane Goss's bear. That was that, that is a rough trade for them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's just rough, especially for Flyers fans. These moves are terrible. They are probably thanking God right now that Danny Briere is taking over because this is terrible. No insult to Chuck Fletcher, I'm sure he's a great dude, but. Just every single deal or move that he made, most of them were terrible. The Joel Farabee deal has is not looking great. It's making five million a year and only has nine goals in sixty-five games. The Carter Hart deal is, I mean, I don't know how you screw that up. He didn't know, so that's good. I would say his best trade so far, check that trade. Uh, Voracek was dealt to Columbus for Cam Atkinson. Atkinson's been great with uh, Philly. I, I would say that's hands down his best trade. Uh, but other than that, man, like, not not a lot of good moves here. But any, any uh, final words? Fletcher, good old Chuck, before we uh, leave for this topic. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can. Hey, uh, words on the uh, Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, um, I, I know it's it's not totally uh, his fault, but also Sean Couturier is in his first year of a eight-year Contract with his capital of seven point seven five zero million, so yeah. he signed until twenty thirty. And I know it's Couturier's had a ton of injury problems, but this contract is looking so bad right now. I mean, he's already thirty years old, and you're paying him 
uh, over seven and a half million for the next eight seasons is just that's looking so bad right now. Um, and I think Couturier will come back solid. I don't think he'll be the player that he was, the Selkie winner. <laughs> but yeah. that's another rough contract. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens with Torts because I don't think Torts is going to coach a rebuilding team. And now that they've kind of accepted the rebuild, I doubt Torts sticks around any longer. I I could see them getting rid of him even after the season and bringing in a younger coach to uh, help with development of some of these younger guys. I don't think Torts is the right guy right now. Uh, the, The hire didn't make sense at all when they brought him in. The only reason they brought him in is because uh, Fletcher wanted a guy who could win them games, and he's he's done that. He's won them games with a, a not super talented roster. But I think now that they've kind of accepted the rebuild, they're they're going to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I don't know, but that wasn't a great hire in itself. But uh, yeah, so Chuck Fletcher out, Danny Gray in. We'll see what he does. Tyler, do you know what our next subject is? Uh, no. Oh, well, here you go. Oh, yeah, the Bruins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Had to uh, play a Bruins guy. I love that. Love that guy. Yep. Uh, guess who? Guess who clinched, Tyler? The Boston Bruins somehow already in the playoffs. Bruins! Whoa! They Whoa. did. They clinched. Uh, out in the out in March, the middle of March, Boston has decided to clinch um, a playoff spot. They're the fastest team in NHL history to reach 50 points. They clinch a playoff spot for the 2023 playoffs. And let me just pull up their stats real quick. Uh, They are currently, give me one quick second. They are going to the playoffs. Obviously, not right now, but in a month, which is still crazy to say. 50 wins, 10 losses, 5 overtime losses, 105 points already. They have a goal differential of plus 103, 245 goals for, 142 against. At home, they're 27-3-3. Away, they are 23-7-2. They're on a losing streak right now of one. But um, their last 10 games, they are 8-2-0. They are led by David Pasternak, who has 88 points. 46 of them are goals, by the way. Next closest is Brad Marchant with 55 points. David Krejci... 51 points, Patrice Bergeron, 49 points, uh, Pavel Zaka, 45, Charlie McAvoy with 43, goes on and on, 
obviously they have some new acquisitions like Tyler Bertuzzi games. Uh, there's also Garnet Halfway three points snake games. And then you get to the cream of the crop. Lion, Linus Omark, 33 wins, four losses, one overtime loss, 1.89 goals against average, a .938 save percentage, and a goal. Jeremy Swayman, 16 wins, six losses, four overtime losses, a 2.37 goals against average, and the .913 save percentage Tyler those were some impressive stats that I just read I mean take it away with the Bruins I mean they're impressive stats but it's all gonna be nothing unless they they win the cup I mean you gotta you gotta go into the playoffs and you gotta win there we saw Tampa do this a few years ago when they had an incredible regular season just for them not even to win a single playoff so what they're doing now is super impressive, but you, you can't take your foot off the gas at all. You need to keep riding out till till April and and still win some games in the playoffs and win the cup for it all to really matter, in my opinion. Now, before I uh, talk about uh, playoffs, I know you're probably going to say who I'm thinking, but who do you? What are you most impressed by with Boston, and who are you most impressed by? With on Boston, um, I I I'm honestly been super impressed uh, with their coach Jim Montgomery. I think he's been really good, especially after he he got fired in Dallas after he wasn't great there. I got. Oh uh, 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 yeah, I went to the. Uh, uh, yeah, after yeah. that whole thing, we went to the. He was uh, great now. The assistance program there. And uh, I think he's been really, really great. But I think I'm most impressed with I, – I didn't expect him to be this good just because they missed Marshawn and McAvoy to start the season. And they got off to a, such a great start without them. And I really wasn't expecting that. I was expecting them to be good. But, you know, I expected them to struggle a little bit at the start. And then once they got those two back, really pick it up. But they were, came out flying right out of the gate. And still picked it up more when they got their two top players back, and they just really haven't slowed down. The only thing that that worries me, obviously, is that it's really hard to keep up such an elite pace like this for an entire season into the playoffs. So, uh, you know, sometimes we saw it with Tampa to take your foot off your gas a little bit, and you kind of get exposed. So, I think that's the most important thing for them is just you know being able to keep it up. Um. I mean, Jim Montgomery, he was great in Dallas. I really liked him. He was a good assistant coach at St. Louis for a short time there. He was someone I wanted the Sharks to hire. They obviously did not. Boston went that way. And he should win the Jack Adams Award, no doubt about it. He should be the winner of that. Um, obviously, Pasternak and Olmark, those are your two standouts. They've been incredible. But what about David Krejci? I mean, 51 points, 60 games played. He was not in the NHL for the past couple of seasons, and he comes back. He looks like vintage David Krejci. I mean, as you said, um, it's hard to keep up such an elite level, especially when you go into the playoffs. You're sitting all comfortable, and then boom, 
like the underdog who has been preparing for playoffs, been playing playoff games since the beginning. I mean, comes in wrecks you. I mean, we saw that with Tampa. Uh, Florida almost got knocked out by Washington last season. It's the president's they just need to understand that that's a different beast, man. And I mean, unlike Tampa and unlike Florida, I'm going to say this. This team is filled with playoff performers and playoff uh, players that have seen and won cups. I mean, most of these players have been on the uh, uh, 2019 uh, Cup finalist team. Some of these players are from the 2011 uh, Cup win. And that's where I think it differentiates from Tampa and Florida. Florida didn't even win a round uh, before they won that round against Washington. Tampa, they went to a Stanley Cup final in 2015, but most of that core was not there. You didn't have Point, Vasilevsky. Uh, I believe Kucherov was still really young. Uh, so that's where I think it differentiates from the normal, oh, Tampa got swept by Columbus. Florida struggled against Washington, got destroyed by Tampa in the next round. Um, you know, I believe Nashville, the year uh, where, I don't know if, Na- did Nashville get eliminated when they, no, that they got eliminated by Winnipeg when they won the uh, President's Trophy, right? Uh, I think yeah. So. But, 2016? I'm not or 2018. 2018. Yeah, the year after they uh, went to the cup yeah, final. So I'm not I'm not even uh, I'm not even gonna throw them into that because that, that was a tough series. But uh that's the one thing I I think everyone's worrying about for Boston. I think you're worrying about it and something like I'm kind of lax about because this team again filled with so many players that have experienced playoff hockey, long runs in playoff hockey. Some of them are cup winners like Marchant, Krejci, and uh, why am I forgetting one? Uh, Bergeron. Why why did I forget Bergeron? But, yeah. Uh, Any thoughts about Boston other than that? Um, Just one guy that uh, I think has kind of stood out a little bit is uh, Jake DeBrusque, just because, yeah, you know, he's in the 2015 draft when the Bruins had this three picks in a row. Um, the Bruins could have had a lot of talented players. People were calling DeBrusque a bust for a while, you know. They could have had all these guys, Kyle Connor, Barzell, like Ajo. Um, and uh, he, he struggled a lot, especially during that uh, COVID season. I believe he requested a trade. He wanted out of Boston. Um, it didn't happen, the trade. And he really just kind of, instead of being, like, all mad about it and, you know, not wanting to do to play in Boston anymore, he kind of just realized, you know, that was the situation and he just kind of turned it all around. And he's been really, really good this year. Yeah, I agree. So, stepping back from Boston, looking at the league as a whole, currently – in the league, you got Carolina, New Jersey, the Rangers, 
top three in the Metro. Boston clinched, obviously. Toronto and Tampa, top three in the Atlantic. Pittsburgh and the Islanders currently holding on the wild card spot, but Florida, Buffalo, Washington, Ottawa, even to uh, Detroit to some extent, all in that hunt. Uh, Philly, Montreal, and Columbus are out of it. In the West, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, your top three in the Central. Vegas, LA, Seattle, your top three in the Pacific. Edmonton and Winnipeg currently hold the two wild cards. Uh, Nashville, very, very close. Calgary's there too. And then out of it is currently St. Louis, Vancouver, Arizona, Anaheim, Chicago, and San Jose. Um, and that is your current playoff picture right now. Do you see anything that intrigues you, Tyler, when I read out those standings? Do you think these are going to be the final standings? What are your thoughts here? I think these teams will be the final standings, but there's definitely some things that I think could flip-flop. I think with Sveshnikov being hurt, I think the Devils could make a run for the top spot in the Metro. I think they're tied right now with the Hurricanes, but the Hurricanes might have some games in hand. They have one game in hand, and they're tied at 94 points per yeah, so I definitely think that could flip. I think Colorado could definitely overtake Minnesota for second in the Central. I think Colorado has some games in hand. And they're also getting healthy now. We don't know exactly when Landis Cog is going to be back, but they've been they're relatively fully healthy right now. Um I could see LA making a, a run for the first seed. Um Vegas, you know, they're, they're still dealing with some injuries, but they're still Vegas. They've been good, but you never know. And then uh, finally, Nashville could make a run at, at the wild card spot. I, I think that Edmonton and Winnipeg uh, are the final two teams in, but, you know, I don't really want to count out Nashville just because I believe they have a ton of games at hand and they've been winning recently. So you never want to count them out. So I, I think that these teams will, will stay the same, just the order could flip flop a little. Also, Pittsburgh plays the Rangers a few times this week, so they win those games. Um, the Rangers haven't been playing as great lately. I, I think Pittsburgh could could overtake him for the, the third spot, but just a few minor changes flip-flopping in spots is all I see this happening. Yeah, so I see the East staying pretty much the same. I could see New Jersey taking over Carolina, especially if Sechkov is out for a long period of time. I can see Pittsburgh flip-flopping with the Rangers if they win those games in hand, like you said. The Rangers have not been great recently, um, so they need to stop that. They want to retain the uh, third uh, spot in the Metro. Um, the Islanders, I mean, they pretty much have that last wild card spot in hand. Buffalo's kind of fell back. They didn't win those games in hand, unfortunately. Florida would be the only challenge I see to them. They do have one game in hand, but I don't think they're going to get that last wild card spot. And Washington is quickly falling out of it. I mean, Ottawa was the every team I could see, but we'll see how they do in their final stretch of games. I think they were already too far out of it. Next season, though, they are a scary dominant force I would not want to face. Uh, Going to the West – I think Dallas has that top spot secured. 
But I do think Colorado gets into that second spot and Minnesota ends up at the third simply because uh, I, I just like Colorado's chances. They have two games in hand. If they win those two games, they're tied with Minnesota. I think they have a better team than Minnesota. Uh, but it kind of feels like that Colorado-Minnesota um, that playoff matchup is going to happen unless Winnipeg makes a resurgence and Colorado falls out of it. But I think Colorado and Minnesota are pretty much secured. I think the Pacific is going to end up the same as is. I think L.A. and Seattle might flip-flop, but I think Seattle is staying the third. L.A., I like their team, but I think Vegas is already kind of too far ahead and too on a roll, too much on a roll to get caught. Winnipeg is the one I am worried about because Nashville has three games in hand on them. Now, if Nashville wins all three of those games, they are tied with Winnipeg for that final wild card spot. Um, Winnipeg would have the tie advantage because they would have more wins. But Nashville is scary, man. I mean, they sold off. And they're still winning, which is not, not, it's not supposed to happen. And here yet we are. I don't, I think Calgary's out of it. I think you can just knock them out already. I don't, I don't know why they didn't sell during the uh, trade deadline. They should have, but I think you're pretty much looking at the, uh, the teams that are, that are in right now, exception for Winnipeg because Nashville's scary, man. They, they are on the two-game winning streak right now, so you never know. Uh, but final question for you, and then we're going to get on to some non-NHL hockey stuff. What about that uh, tank hard for Bedard, man? The the tank race. Uh, currently, the bottom five teams in the league, Columbus with 47 games played, San Jose – or sorry, Columbus with 47 points, San Jose with 50 points, Chicago with 50 points, Anaheim with 54 points, and Montreal with uh, 58 points. What do you think about this impressive tanking battle that's going on here? Uh, Yeah, I mean, somehow Columbus is the worst team right now, which, I mean, I would not have thought that at the beginning of this season, but uh, they could be scary if they get them. Uh, sadly, the team that I would love to get Bedard is been hot right now. They're they're winning games. The Yotes playoff push is happening right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens towards the end of the season because obviously no no player tries to tank. They want to win games. But we're getting down to the wire here, and and it's looking like uh, things are kind of coming down between Columbus, the Sharks, Chicago. Honestly, Anaheim and, and Montreal pulled away a little bit in the Coyotes. So I think it'll come down to those three teams right there. As games in hand against everyone, they have played 65 games, San Jose with 67, Chicago with 66, and then the teams above them, Anaheim, Montreal, also Arizona, 67 games played between all of them. So if Columbus wins out in those games... They uh, they leave San Jose in the bottom spot and have to be the tank battle of the century coming in 
tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Uh, what day is that? That is the 15th of March. Columbus versus San Jose in San Jose. And that, that game will decide, basically, who is most likely going to end up in that bottom spot. But I think... Uh, it's. I think the race right now is between Chicago, San Jose, and Columbus. Obviously, the whole thing is is if you get that last spot in the league, you have a very, very, very extremely high chance of drafting in the top three. And your top three this season is Connor Bedard, who is incredible. Mitchell Mitchell, who is also incredible. And Adam Fentelli, who has just been lighting up juniors recently. And if you're any one of these teams, that is a gem to get, especially Connor Bedard, who is basically being heralded as the next great one, the next Connor McDavid, next Sidney Crosby, next Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he is being put on the biggest pedestal known to mankind. Everyone wants him. So, Tyler. Before the draft happens, before the draft lottery happens, fingers crossed it's San Jose. Out of, I know you want Arizona to get him. So we're going to move Arizona out of the way. Who do you think, no biasy, by the way, is going to get Connor Bedard? Um, honestly, uh, I think. It's a tough one right now, but uh, I think Chicago is going to end up with him. That was my selection, and I, I want the Sharks to get Connor Bedard because Jesus Christ, that would be awesome. The Sharks have never picked first overall. The highest they picked is second. They've only done that once. That was way back in '97 when it was Patrick Marlowe. Um, man. You know, uh, that would be nice to uh, get Connor Bedard on my team. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen because nothing that great happens to the Sharks. I I don't know. I just uh, think he's going – or actually, the Sharks did draft uh, one more time, second overall. That was back in their first year when they drafted Patrick Moon, second overall. They've never drafted first, though. Arizona's never drafted within the top two, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Columbus, they had Rick Nash. Chicago, Patrick Keane. Uh, uh, Anaheim has drafted first overall. Montreal, Guy Lafleur. We all know that trade. Uh-huh. Um, her, hold on. First overall draft for Anaheim. I don't know if Anaheim has uh, drafted first overall. I don't think they have. They've, uh, because Ryan Gessloff was 19. Mason McTavish yeah. was three. What was that? McTavish was third. Paul Correa was fourth. Yeah. Oldowski was second. Uh, second was Steve Root. Wait, nope, that's in different round. Uh, I don't think they've drafted, uh, in the top, the top spot yet. Bobby uh, Ryan, uh, second overall. 
Yep. Draft. Yeah, I don't think they've drafted uh, first overall before. So between those teams, the only teams that haven't drafted first overall would be San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona. Within the so, who knows? Uh, but there's the our picks. Uh, any any final regards on Connor Bedard or the tank for Connor Bedard or anything? Um, I think the Yotes are in a really good position right now because they do get the the Senators pick. Right now, it's looking like the Senators pick is going to be between somewhere between like five and twelve, which means the Yotes will get the pick. So in this draft, I think the Yotes could end up with like fifth and like ninth overall, which was I think is really really good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're moving on to something not NHL. We're in breeze for these final two topics. The ASU men's hockey season has finally came to an end. Josh Stone ends the season two to one and OT, defeating LIU Sharks. Uh, Tyler, first, uh, just run me through the season, your thoughts on the season, and then your standout player, and then a player you think needs improvement. Um, I think it was a disappointing season just because there was so much hope coming in, getting mullet. It's just such a strong start to the year, you know, getting a few a few wins against some really good teams, especially that win in Vegas, then uh, coming home and beating Minnesota, um, just going on a run at mullet. I think they had a seven-game win streak at one point, something like that, and there was just so much hope, and then just everything just fell apart. And they, they just finished the season under 500 when this team was honestly a, a lot better than the record showed. So uh, the best player, in my opinion, was probably uh, Robert Master Simone, second round pick um, a few years ago by the Red Wings. Um, I think he had, he had a great year. Um, it, it's kind of hard to, to, to decide between him and TJ Sandefeld or the goalie because TJ was so good for, for so long he carries so many games but uh I, he started to struggle a little bit at the end so i'm gonna give it to master simone and disappointing um i would have given it to Doan, but he really picked it up at the at the end of this the season um he struggled for a while but uh he, he you know he always figured, found out a way to put up points it's kind of hard to pick out like one specific player but i might have to go lucas Sillinger. i feel like that's kind of a name that you know, a lot of people know, especially with uh, his brother being such a high pick, and uh, I feel like he didn't have a, a great year, and there were such high expectations for him transferring over uh, from Bedin Bem Iji State last year. I, I don't think he was the guy that we expected. Uh, they tried him with Master Simone and Doan on the top line, and I feel like he didn't really work out as people had expected. Yeah. Um... Starting with the season as a whole, very disappointing. I mean, they started off crazy and signing at Mullet, died off in the end, the latter half of the season. Obviously, there was a lot of disappointing chokes uh, throughout the whole season. I point out the first couple of games on the road, uh, disappointing uh, play calls on the road, obviously, but when you're losing the t- to the Alaska teams and then you're losing – some of these other teams that you should be winning against, it doesn't look good. 
especially because you're in you're an independent team. So OT losses don't count as a OT loss. They count as a regulation loss. Just sucks. Um, I I am in the strong belief they need a good NCAA coach. I like Greg. I think he deserves another spot with the club, but I don't think he's a good fit for the head coach in the NCAA team. He's more of a ACHA coach, in my opinion. They need someone who's played in the NCAA, that's played in the NHL, someone that has played in the very level of hockey that leads to a NCAA tournament appearance eventually a championship and I think that's really what they need now they have all the pieces they have a great arena they're going to attract some great players we'll see what happens for me like you said you mentioned the big three that really stood out this season Robert Master Simone uh 38 games played 42 points in those 38 games played with ASU great season for Master Simone um Really impressive, big standout, scored some big goals, especially against the Gophers. He also scored a the uh, game-winning goal in Vegas. And that's another thing about ASU. They won these massive games against Minnesota, the Vegas game against North Dakota. But uh, they could never win some of these either mid or not great teams and it got lazy at the end especially it just felt like a slugfest another uh great player uh tj sempy pelter uh as you mentioned uh had a 0.913 save percentage at the end 2.84 goals against average 36 games played he led the whole uh ncaa and um save percentage or sorry, uh, save for shots, um, or shots taken against him, and that was impressive. And Josh Stone, thirty-seven points in thirty-eight games played, he looked great. Um, I think the the obvious one for disappointing, as you mentioned, is Cylinder because of his big name. He obviously got the ATO um, last season. And, I mean, it was just overall a disappointing season for him. And it was a disappointing season for the whole team as a whole. I don't know what they do in the offseason because you're going to lose Master Simone. You're going to lose Doan after next season. You're going to lose TJ at some point, too. You lost the legend Ben Cross. So how are you going to replace that? Um, I love Ben Cross, big Crawdaddy fan. Um yeah, I, I don't know what you do. I think the right answer is to fire Greg Powers, promote him to like special assistant or something and get NCAA coach. But beyond that, like you have a great offensive team. You have a really good goaltending. Uh, I don't know who you get as your backup next year. I don't know if TJ returns. Maybe he gets a NHL contract. I could fully see that. Or some ATO try-up. I, I think he comes back, but uh, I just think the right move here is to get a new head coach and uh, try 
try to join a conference so those OT losses don't count as heavily as against you as they did this season. But that's just my two thoughts on it. Uh, any last thoughts on the ASB men's hockey team? I mean, we saw them on the person numerous times throughout this whole season. Do you have any last thoughts? Well, I, I just think it'll be easier to attract players and transfers now with, with mullet. Um, state-of-the-art state facility, just not even just, you know, the ice, the arena playing service, just all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Just a, it's just a, such a nice facility now. Um, it's just super modern, and, and if I'm a player, it's a place that I, w- I would want to play in. But, yeah, I, I think that they're going to try and keep most of the team intact together for next year. Uh, you're obviously going to lose players who are seniors. But we'll see what happens with the transfer portal um, with new commits. And uh, I think that the, the team was even ranked at, at one point. So yeah, I, I just think that um, they, they kind of just took their, their foot off the gas, you know, after such a hot start. And I think that was just the, the biggest problem. And if, if they, they, they want to start making the playoffs competing for national championships, then uh, they, they need to just play a full season effort because honestly, towards the end of the season, it just felt like nobody was really trying anymore. They just kind of gave up. 100%. I 100% agree. I mean, they were also so badly injured. They were calling up an ACHA uh, forwards who actually played pretty decently. Honestly, almost played better than the regulars. But um, I completely agree with you. Um, Mullet, I mean, you see that with the ASU women's hockey team, too. It's attracting a lot of players. You're going to attract some good players, but the current core you have right now, Doan, Sempi Pelter, uh, Sillinger, uh, you have Jack Judson, you have Dimitri Kuzum. Kuzum, I cannot say his last name. I think he's a senior um, also. Kuzmonsi is. Yeah, so... He's yeah, pretty I mean, much gone. Even guys on the back end, like uh, Lovell, Ty Murchison, have, were really great this year. Yeah. Ben Cross, I mean, legend in that. First, but first I, I would, shut out for Cross this year. Yeah, hopefully he uh, signs with an NHL team. But, uh, I mean, I think next year is your last year with this current core because most likely Doan is gone next season. Sempi Pelter is gone next season. You have one more chance I just don't think they get it done with Greg Powers. I can't see it. They're going to get some good prospects with Mullet Arena, but any final thoughts? No, I, I think that Powers is loved by uh, Ray Anderson. Um, I'm not going to get into the, the whole thing with the college sports and all that stuff, but uh, I, I don't think Powers is going anywhere anytime soon. No, I don't think so either. Um, final thing. Gonna do this. Gonna see if this works out in our favor. But I want to. I want to spend a minute, exactly a minute, talking about the AHL. You get a minute to talk. I get a minute to talk. We're gonna talk about some AHL news. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um. Yeah, you're the AHL guy. I don't know a ton about it, so I'll let you go first. Try and. All right. Well, set a timer. We're gonna start it now. Uh. Set a timer, Tyler. All right. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. Let's go. All right. The first thing you got to know, Calgary Wranglers clinching a wild card – or, sorry, a playoff spot. 
first playoff spot in Alberta ever since moving Stockton. They are the first AHL team to clinch the season. They're going to the playoffs. Dustin Wolf, just amazing so far. Pierre Kochenkov, I mean, goalie goal. He's been amazing. He got called up, obviously, to Carolina, but he scored a goalie goal. That's not something that's easily come across. I mean, we got a goalie fight last week. I mean, that's really all I have to say. Look out for the Wranglers, though. They have Dustin Wolf. Uh, he's been unstoppable this year. And that's my time. So I got 20 seconds left. Do you want to add anything else? Um, Thomas Bordlow, dude. He's been really good for the Barracuda. Watch out for him. I don't think he'll get called up this season, but next season, watch out for him on the Sharks with Eklund. All right. Well, yeah. That's your time. Uh, I'll try right. to you back up some of the stuff you said. Just give me my, my time. All right. You ready? Yeah. Go. All right. Well, uh, not the biggest AHL fan, but uh, I pay attention to some teams. I know the Bridgeport Islanders are, are uh, got some solid players down there, especially Corey Schneider. Um, uh, I know the Tucson Roadrunners are, are still fighting for that last playoff spot. They're they're kind of pushing for it right now. Um, I know the Ontario Reign are, are really good with the, all the kids' prospects down there. I like the Silver Knights a lot. Uh, congrats <laughs> to uh, Yuri, Yuri Patera on his first NHL win. Um, yeah. Um, all right. We'll see what happens. It's time. See, that was kind of fun. Maybe we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. uh, but third playoffs are about to start. And we're getting into the playoff season, Tyler. I mean, we're almost there. We're going to talk about some playoffs, uh, some playoff matchups sooner or later. But that kind of brings us to the end of this episode of the podcast. I mean, Tyler, anything else that you got to mention before we wrap this up? Um, nothing much. Just we're getting down to the wire here. About a, a month left in the season. Uh, to 15 yeah, games, less than 15 games. So this is – yeah. So when things start to get interesting, when the games start to get really intense, so it's the best time of year. Like will Eric Carlson break the hundred point record for the first time in my defenseman in a very long time? We shall see. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Desert Shift Podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Chase Beardsley underscore Tyler. Where can they find you on Twitter? At TylerCast underscore. There it is. Follow the Islanders man, the myth, the legend. Go go like all of his tweets. Go spam his uh, Twitter uh, bio, everything on Twitter. Spam Ben Cross images all over there. But that's going to pretty much do it. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. And we'll see you.